0: Welcome, welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. I want to pray for us before we get in our time in the Word. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're so grateful, Father, for this opportunity to worship together. And the building that I'm standing in right now is called a worship center, but right now our homes and our cars are centers of worship. Maybe we're out on a walk right now with our family. And our neighborhood has been turned into a worship center. And so, God, thank you for the ministry of our online campus where there's worship centers all over lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And as we get into the scriptures, Lord, we begin a new series. Father, we're asking that you would open up your word to us that we might be able to commune with you and abide with you in new and fresh ways. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is both our Lord, and our Savior. And all God's family said, amen, amen. Well, it's so good to be together. And uh, I took down my final Christmas decoration today. I'll tell you about that in, in just a moment. But is excited to gather together, this, have a new start to a new series in a new year. This series is called Blessed, and we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, 7. And we'll begin at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to take your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. We'll actually look at a few verses in Matthew chapter 4 uh, before we get into Matthew chapter 5. But I want to have you imagine something right now. I want you to imagine your neighborhood, your residence. You may live in a home. You may live in an apartment, a condo. You may live on a ranch. You may live out in the country. I don't know where you live exactly, but I want you to imagine your home. That may be very easy for some of you to imagine right now because you're actually in your home. You're in your home right now, and you can just look around and say, this is my home. Now, I want you to think about the people who live around you. And I want to share with you 10 people who may live near you. And so I want you to think about this and the place that you live. And as I share about these 10 people, think about them as people who live nearby where you are right now. And I want you to fully use your imagination. Now, these 10 people got some hard stuff going on. And so as I go through this list, Uh, Just think about who this might connect with in your own life. So imagine these 10 people in your neighborhood. The first person is a 30-year-old woman, and she's really struggling. She's got a pretty low self-image. She grew up in a tough home, and she's just had a hard time. And uh, relationally, she's she's really kind of down and out right now. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe there's someone like that who lives in your neighborhood. The second person is a 55-year-old man. He's well-educated. He's an atheist. And he believes that there is no God. He might live in your neighborhood. The third person is a 13-year-old girl. She's just began being a teenager. And she just found out she has leukemia. You may know somebody like that. There may be someone like that living in your neighborhood. The fourth person is a four-year-old boy who is blind. You can't see anything. He's been blind from birth. The fifth person who may live in your neighborhood is an 83-year-old woman, and she is actually in the ICU right now with COVID-19. And she's not doing well. In fact, she's, she's really not doing well. It's, it's really a really critical condition. There might be someone like that in your neighborhood right now. The sixth person is a 52-year-old man, and he has heart disease. And his, his heart is really failing right now. He's in such poor health. Barely, barely the strength to even make it through the day. There might be a, a man like that in your neighborhood. The seventh person is a 27-year-old woman, and she has chronic back pain, and she struggled with back pain for so many years. It is so uncomfortable. The discomfort is tremendous. It's made it hard for her to do daily activity, for her to work. She's in so much tremendous pain in her back. The eighth person is a 16-year-old boy, and he's addicted to meth, and it is ruining his life. He's so far gone and his whole life is just being ruined because of his addiction to this drug. The ninth person is an eight-year-old little girl and she's been struggling with seizures and she's very afraid and it's been very frightening experience for her every time a seizure hits. There might be a girl like that in your neighborhood and the 10th person is a 40-year-old man, and he's a quadriplegic. He's paralyzed. And, uh, man, life, life's life been difficult. It's been hard. He needs help in everything he does every day. Now, I want you to imagine these 10 people. And maybe one of those 10 people, you actually know somebody who's in a situation like that. But I want you to imagine that those 10 people actually live in your neighborhood. They're your neighbors, And I want you to imagine that yesterday, all 10 of them were healed. That all 10 of those people who were struggling so severely that yesterday they were healed. How would that change your neighborhood today? How would that change your experience Today, what would that cause you to think about right now, today? Well, it's that kind of scene that, if we go two thousand years back in time to Matthew chapter four, verse twenty-three, that's the type of scene we walk unto. Listen to what the scriptures say in Matthew chapter four, verse twenty-three. It says, "And he," this is speaking of Jesus. And he went, through all, he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogue. So he's teaching. So people are hearing the truth for the first time. You remember that 30-year-old woman with low self-image? She hears for the very first time that she's been made in the image of God and that God has a plan for her life. She was created in his image and that he loves her. And the truth has come to heal her. It says that... He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. You remember that 55-year-old atheist? He hears the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, and he places his faith in Jesus Christ as God is standing right before him, and he can no longer deny that God does not exist because God has come to him. It goes on to say that he's healing every disease. You remember that 13-year-old girl with leukemia? She's healed. Right then, no more treatments, no more doctor visits, no more procedures. She's healed. He's healing every disease and every affliction among the people. You remember that four-year-old boy who's blind? In that moment, his eyes are opened and he sees the neighborhood for the very first time. It's miraculous what's taking place. We go on as it says, so his fame uh, spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick. You remember that 83-year-old woman who's in the ICU with COVID-19? She's getting sent home. She's getting sent home because her symptoms are gone and she's healed. Her fever's reduced. She can breathe. It says they brought to him all those who are sick and those who are afflicted with various Diseases, you remember that 52-year-old man with heart disease? All of a sudden, he's got strength for the day. And the blood's flowing through his brain and his body correctly again. And he's feeling great because he's come into contact with Jesus. And Jesus has healed him. It says those afflicted with various diseases and pains. You remember that 27 year old woman who had chronic back pain? All of a sudden, she can stand up straight. She's able to pick up her kids. She's able to do her daily life. She's able to work. Her joy has been restored as her pain has fled her body. It says those who are oppressed by demons. You remember that 16 year old boy who's addicted to meth? God has rescued him from the destructive, demonic power that has been afflicting his life. And this 16-year-old boy has been redeemed for righteousness. He's been rescued from the pit of destruction that he's in. The neighborhood is changing. It says, those having seizures, you remember that eight-year-old little girl? All of a sudden, her hands aren't shaking. Her mouth's not shaking. Her body's not shaking. She's not frightened anymore because Jesus came and touched her. and She's no longer having any seizures. She's been healed. Her parents are overjoyed. They've been worried sick. And now this little girl, she's healed. And the paralytics. Remember that 40-year-old man who's paralyzed? All of a sudden... He can move. He can move. He can move. He can can start to to do things. Move, Move his body, move his arms, move his legs. It's just total miraculous. It says that these great crowds followed him, followed Jesus from Galilee and the Decapolis. The Decapolis was 10 cities. And from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. You see, what happens is, is that Jesus shows up in the neighborhood. And when Jesus shows up in the neighborhood, lives are transformed. They are miraculously transformed as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shows up on the scene. And if that were your neighborhood, and those 10 lives were healed yesterday... What would you be doing today? Well, I think you'd be doing the same thing that this crowd does because in Matthew chapter five, verse one, it says that a great crowd has formed around Jesus. An incredible crowd has formed around Jesus. And it says that seeing the crowds, in Matthew chapter five, verse one, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up onto the mountain." and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught him he taught them and then he goes into the beatitudes which is blessed are for and we're going to talk about what that is so this is an incredible moment jesus has caused incredible commotion in a really good way because he shows up in the neighborhood and he's healing people He's transforming their lives. He's setting them free from demonic powers. He's healing them from sickness. He's welcoming people into the kingdom of God through the grace of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's transforming lives. The neighborhood is being transformed and people are flocking to Jesus. An incredible crowd has been drawn to him because of his miraculous work as Jesus shows up in the neighborhood. Now, when Jesus, it says that he sees the crowds. When Jesus sees, he sees differently. He just doesn't see a mass of people. He sees individuals. He sees stories. He sees history. He sees lives. He sees the thoughts and the intentions of the people. And as he looks out and he sees this incredible crowd, he actually knows them. He knows every one of them. The scriptures say that he knows even the hairs, the number of hairs on our head. He knows our getting up, our laying down. He knows our waking. He knows our sleeping. He knows everything that's stirring in our hearts. And as he sees this crowd, he sees all that's going on inside them. He sees differently than we see. When we see, we see on the surface. We see what we want to (laughs) see. We see on the surface. We don't see deeply. But when Jesus sees, he sees deeply He sees deeply into the lives of these people. And it says, seeing these crowds, these crowds that he caused, he caused these crowds. It says he went up onto this mountain. This is an incredible moment. It's an incredible moment that the Son of God, God himself, is present with the creation And he sees these crowds. He comes up onto this mountain and it says that he sits down. Now, this symbol of him sitting down, everybody would have understood in that moment what was about to happen. Because when a rabbi sat down, it was the signal that he was going to begin teaching. And so Jesus, in this moment, he sits down. Down, it's a signal to all that the teaching is about to begin. And it says that his disciples came to him. There was already disciples he had already called to follow him. They were they were with him as he was performing these miracles, and they come to him. And it says that he opened up his mouth. And in this moment, this is incredible because remember, the mouth of God is powerful. If you go all the way to the left side of your Bible, you'll find a book called Genesis. And in the very first verses in Genesis, you find out that when God opens his mouth, creation happens. Creation comes into existence. And in this moment, you have Jesus, the son of God. He's going to open his mouth. His mouth is powerful. The word of God is powerful. And in this moment, Jesus is going to be able to unpack some of the most incredible teaching, the most incredible teaching, really the planet had ever heard. It says he opens his mouth And he taught them. And he gives them a formula. It's a formula of blessing. And as it goes through the rest of the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, which is what we'll spend, each week we'll be looking at one of these blessings. But he gives them a formula of the blessing. And I'm not going to go into any of the specific blessings because we're going to have a week that is dedicated to each one of these blessings. But I wanna talk about the formula of it because this formula of blessing is actually the same formula of cursing in the scriptures because there's blessing and there's cursing in the scripture. And in this formula, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, blessed are, and then there's a blank. Blessed are, and then there's this first blank. And this first blank in this formula of blessing, it's talking about the characteristic of the person who is blessed. Sometimes that first blank is a really hard first blank. And as we walk through these next weeks, so sometimes you're gonna see blessed are and you're gonna see that first blank. You're gonna see a word there and you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna like the word that's there because it's gonna be a difficult word to go, wow, that's, that's the characteristic that God wants me to be as a follower of Jesus Christ. So you have this formula, blessed are, that first blank is the characteristic but then it says, blessed are four, and there's another blank, and it tells you what the blessing is. So even though that characteristic is difficult, there's something hard about it, there's a blessing that follows. And each of these weeks, as we walk through this series, Blessed, we're going to talk about that characteristic that is for all of us. Each of the characteristics in the Beatitudes, they apply to all of us. These characteristics are to be characteristics that we embrace as followers of Jesus, which means... That the blessing that follows is for all of us also. Now, there's a, a graphic that we've used for this series. And I want to look at that graphic together. It's a, it's a mountain, and then there's also an upside-down mountain. So let's put up just the graphic. We'll look at that. When I first saw this, I thought, wow, that's really interesting. You know, I, I get it, you know, Jesus is up on the mountain, so our, our graphics design team, you know, our media team, they're putting this together, and I go, okay, I get that, but then they put another one up here, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've hiked a lot of mountains, I've never seen one coming out of the sky like this, I've never seen one like that, so that kind of caught my attention, as different. But I thought, you know, this is pretty incredible because as Jesus comes up onto this mountain to teach and he opens his mouth and he begins to proclaim what the blessings are, blessed are the characteristic of the person who's blessed for, and then he talks about the blessing that they will receive. He's telling them things that are completely countercultural to what they've understood and known. It's upside down thinking. You see, because when you enter into the kingdom of God, God's got a different way of doing things than this world. He has a different approach. And as we walk through these blessings, these characteristics of the person who's blessed and the blessing that follows, there are going to be moments where you're going to go, that's upside down and I don't like it. That makes me feel flipped upside down and I don't want anything to do with it. And I want to know, I want you to know that's coming. There's going to come a moment as we walk through this series. I know it's going to happen. When we walk through one of these beatitudes or maybe multiple of them and you go, I don't like the way that feels. I don't like the way that sounds. It feels upside down. It feels backwards. It seems, it seems like it's, it's not what I would want. And I want you to know, that's good. That's right where we need to be because God's gonna help us grow. God's gonna help us grow because there's some things that they seem upside down in the kingdom of God, but it's what he's called us to do. It's what he's called us into. And I want you to know, I I just want to challenge you. I really want to invite you into a challenge. And that's what this weekend really is about. To invite you into a challenge to see that when Jesus shows up in your neighborhood, some incredible things are going to take place. And there's going to be some things that seem backwards and upside down to you and the things that Jesus says. But he has an incredible plan for you. And he has a purpose for your life. And he is working out that purpose for his glory. And I want to invite you into a challenge that has three parts right now. The first part is part one of this challenge is build. It's build. This part one is about believing and obeying the words of Jesus. I remember when I was in fourth grade, we had the California Missions Project. It is literally the school project that is the wretched disaster for all parents, right? This is the worst school project, all right? I'm sorry, fourth grade teachers, I love you, but this project is hard, all right? And so you've got this California Missions Project. And in my family, we like to build things, but I wasn't really that good of a builder in fourth grade or ever. And so what I did is I thought, you know, one of the favorite things we used when I was a kid to build things was cereal boxes. So I went and got cereal boxes and I said, Hey, I need to collect all the cereal boxes. We're going to make this California missions project and we're going to make it, I'm going to make it out of cereal boxes. So I'm cutting it up and I'm making it. And my other, my second favorite thing to build things with was scotch tape. So I've got cereal boxes and scotch tape and I'm going to town. I make the foundation out of cereal boxes, right? I make the mission out of it. And I go, you know what? It looked like a Cheerios box when I I got done. It looked like a Kicks box when I got done. I'm like, this isn't quite right. So I take it and I go down to the park. All right, it was about a mile from where I'm standing right now, where I grew up. And a, there's a park right now. I take it down to the sandbox in the park. And I take some Elmer's glue. And I take Elmer's glue and I put it all over this California mission made out of cereal boxes. And then I began to put sand all over it because I want it to look like a mission, right? It, instead of a Cheerios box. So I get I got this cereal box and scotch tape mission with Elmer's glue and sand all over. It. And when I got done with it, it looked like a natural disaster had hit this mission. It was all all folded in. The cereal box couldn't hold the weight of the glue and the sand and it made it all mushy and it was just it literally looked like a bad scene out of a desert war movie and it was horrible. So I took it to my teacher and I said you know California has earthquakes. California has earthquakes and here it is right here's my mission and there was an earthquake and it was a bad scene in California that day and I I did it but I couldn't help but think about that as I was thinking about building because this is what Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the Elmer's glue was too heavy and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. My fourth grade California mission is a picture of what some people's lives are. Because they have built their lives on sand. And when the weather comes and the storm comes, their lives don't hold up worth anything. Because they have not built their lives on the rock. You know, in a very sober way and in a very humble way, I just want to share, my wife and I are really taking this seriously with our family. We have a big family. We're a family of 11 and and we have nine children. We're taking it very seriously about building our family on the rock of Jesus Christ. And, you know, this summer we went through the Ten Commandments series. And uh, my family, we sat in church together, either on the online campus. I think it was most of the time it was in our backyard at that time because there wasn't any in-person gatherings. And we spent time going through this journal, this 50-day adventure journal, going through the Ten Commandments because we want to make sure that we're building our family on the rock. And so each day we would spend time doing this. We'd take pictures of it, you know, text them or email them to our kids. And, and uh, that way they would see it. And we'd, we'd talk about it. We'd have discussions after church. This was a, a really important season for us during, you know, the COVID kind of stay-at-home time when my family said, hey, we want to build our family on the rock. And so we're going to spend some dedicated time Really spending time on the word of God together. When we, you know, after Thanksgiving, we went into this, you know, Christmas series into the new year here. This is the last Christmas decoration. I just took it down today. And so I could show it to you. But this, each of these rings represents a conversation that my family had around the word of God. This was hanging on the light fixture above our dining room table with a Bible placed in the center of the table and we'd see that Bible, we'd see these strips of paper and it would be a reminder, we need to have a conversation. So we would eat first and then when we get done eating, I would then take one of these, I'd read it, my wife would read the passage and on many of these, we've actually written down the things that our children said, the answers that they gave. We just wrote them on the chains and then we hung this up. It's a visual reminder. This is not about a decoration. This is about, each of these represent a moment we invested in our kids that we would build on the foundation of Jesus Christ in our home. We're taking it serious. It matters, which is why when we get to a new series like this and we've got this new journal, my wife and I, we purchased one for all of our big kids. We put them in their stocking for Christmas, and we're going through this together as a family. We are going to start this this weekend. You can get one, uh, download it for free online, or uh, if we still have physical copies, you can go online and buy one. But this is a great resource to build your life on the foundation of the word of God because as according to Jesus, if you hear the words of Jesus and you do them, you'll be like someone who built their life on the foundation of the rock. And so that's part one of this challenge is build. I wanna challenge you to build. And I wanna challenge you, accept this challenge. Accept this invitation, this challenge, as we go through this series that you would build. Part two. Is visible. That's the second part of the challenge. Visible. And right after uh, we see Jesus give the Beatitudes, he he begins to talk about being very visible in your faith. And this is about really influencing very publicly for Jesus. I want to share you three types of people in our church family that just this last week I had conversations with. One type is a retired couple. They have one of their neighbors went into the ICU a few weeks back, and so this retired couple on the court that they live on, they're part of our church family, they got all of their neighbors together in the center of the street to have a prayer session for their neighbor who went into the ICU. Talk about living publicly for Jesus in your neighborhood. They stood in the street and prayed together as a neighbor, as neighbors, and God's answering their prayers and healing this, this neighbor who's in the ICU. It's a miraculous I talked to a a young man who's starting a career as a barber in our church family this week. And he talked to me about how this chair that people sit in, he sees it as an opportunity for ministry because when people sit down in that chair, as he does his barbering, he's able to share Jesus Christ with them and share his testimony with them. I've heard, this next category is actually a bunch of people. I've heard from so many people who have been walking their neighborhoods and praying for their neighbors. Literally walking house to house to house to house to house, street to street to street and praying for their neighborhoods. These are ways that people are living very publicly for Jesus and I wanna challenge you into part two and that is you'd be visible, you'd be visible. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and then it gives light to everyone who's in the house. I mean, this is what is part of makes the the Christmas season so fun is people put lights everywhere on their houses. In fact, I I do a lot of walking with my kids in the evening. We'd go look at all the lights and each day, less and less houses have lights on because they've taken down their Christmas decorations. And I just want to challenge you that that's not how a Christian should be. A Christian shouldn't be to where just a season were lights. And we put decorations up and we're lights for a season and then you know christmas goes by and we're no longer lights No, no 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 that's not how christians are supposed to be christians are supposed to be lights 365 days a year 52 weeks a year seven days a week we're to be light and we're to be light in our neighborhood and part two of this challenge is that you'd be visible part three of this challenge is faith it's faith and this is where people are being invited to faith into salvation in Jesus Christ because he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, the very next verse after he talks about being a light, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven because when you are visible with your faith in your neighborhood, your neighbors will see your faith. They will see your good works. And they will be pointed to Jesus Christ and they in turn will give glory to God. You being visible is so important with your faith because people will come to Jesus Christ. People will come to know Jesus Christ. And so I just want to give you this challenge. I want to encourage you, accept this challenge, this three-part challenge to build visible Faith. I'm going to invite Reggie out. He's going to sing one last song after I close here. Lead us in worship. But I want you to accept this challenge. Build visible faith. Build visible faith. And as you imagine Jesus coming into your neighborhood, Jesus transforming lives. Remember how you did that? You, remember, you, you, you imagine those 10 people as we began? those 10 people whose lives were changed because Jesus showed up in the neighborhood? Well, I wanna challenge you with something. And that is Jesus wants to show up in your neighborhood and he wants to show up through you in your neighborhood. Jesus has placed you, I believe that Jesus has placed you very strategically where he wanted you to live. And he wants you to be the gospel, to be Jesus Christ to those who live around you. And so would you accept this challenge to build visible faith? Again, you're going to hear things during this series. They're going to be hard. They're going to be challenging things. But don't give up. Don't throw in a towel. Don't quit. Keep taking a step with Jesus Christ because he's placed you in your neighborhood for a reason. Your neighbors need Jesus. Your neighborhood needs Jesus. And so let's accept this challenge together that we build visible faith to see what God might do in and through our lives how we might transform our neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're so grateful to spend time in your word, to spend time worshiping you. God, we're a a church family where we're asking God, would you work? Would you work in our own lives? Would you work in our neighborhoods? Would we be used by you to reach people for Jesus Christ? And so God, would you build in us, build in us, a faith that is very visible. Build visible faith in us, Lord, that we might be bright, shining lights every day of the year in our neighborhood. So God, we're asking, would you do something wonderful in this series in our church family? Draw us to you, grow us up in you. Lord, we love you. We end our time worshiping you, giving praise to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family say, amen.